by the time you hear this podcast, this podcast may have two new hosts. That's about as good a yeah. time to come in as any. That is a great time to come in. <laughs> Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we're back with episode 61. Woo. And you're probably wondering, why are we playing that particular version of Jump by Van Halen? <laughs> why not? <laughs> you will find out soon enough. Is that from Live Without a Net? That is from Right Here, Right Now. Okay, okay. Still a live album. Yeah, they did a couple, and they're all good. <laughs> Especially with him. We'll save his name. We'll save his name. All right, so uh, again, welcome to the podcast, and welcome to those watching on Facebook Live, whether live or the replay. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to all who have um, downloaded so far. Uh, who have told people about it, who have, you know, come to our page and, and at least listen for a couple of minutes. Thank you very much. Uh, if you want to tell people about where we can be found, uh, there are a variety of ways in which we can be found. You can go to our website by the time you hear this.com blogs.website where we post episodes 
and videos and uh, links to articles for the topics that we speak about. We also have a Facebook page, of course, if you're watching on Facebook Live. Uh, uh, Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. The website and the Facebook page are both spelled with the word you. On our Instagram, we do have an Instagram by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because... We're upstanding. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is the same spelling for our Gmail address by the time you hear this at gmail.com where you could send your comments, questions, show ideas. If you're an independent artist and you have music, we'll play your music and discuss it for no charge. We are anti-Paola here. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you want to listen to us on the go, variety of ways there, there is Podomatic, which hosts our podcast as far as like having all of the episodes. <laughs> and uh, you can also listen on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, CastBox, Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Satchel Podcast Player. I think that's all. I do believe so. Yeah. All right. So let's get to our music news. First, we'll start with um, uh, something that went viral over the weekend. It's, of course, um, a certain rapper uh, coming out of hiding. I guess and, he was. Uh, yeah. Blessing us with the freestyle. <laughs> uh, of course, talking about Eminem. Oh, yeah. Um, what did you think of the freestyle? hit the nail right on the head <laughs> no i thought it was interesting i don't i'm not gonna say it was his best ever but it was definitely incredibly timely and i for one didn't see it coming i just i didn't um woke up to it heard it listened to the whole thing um <laughs> it was so aggressive like so aggressive and it said a lot of things that you know, people have been saying for a while, but, you know, just said by somebody um, with maybe a bigger voice to to a certain generation. I don't know. It was it was it was almost surreal, you know, like, you know, somebody come out, basically come out and say, fuck the president. Basically, it was let's, interesting. Uh, let's give a little piece of it. Um. Calm before the storm right here. This is on the BET Awards, Hip Hop Awards. Wait, how was I going to start this off? The cipher. I forgot. Oh, yeah. That's an awfully hot coffee pot. Should I drop it on Donald Trump? Probably not, but that's all I got till I come up with a solid... Because I believe out the word plot. So I didn't get arrested. Got a plan and now I got a hatchet like a damn Apache with a tomahawk. I'm a walk inside a mosque on Ramadan and say a prayer that every time talks. Leave that Melania on that. Did they really? Yeah. She oh, gets wow. a map. Ah. I'm going to stop. But we better give Obama props, because what we got in office now's a kamikaze that'll probably cause a nuclear holocaust. And while the drama pops and he waits for shit to quiet down, he'll just gas his plane up and fly around to the bombing stops. That was a very big line for me. He don't want to be here. <laughs> Intensity's heightened. Tensions are rising. Trump, when it comes to giving a shit, you're stingy as I am. Except when it comes to having the balls to go against me, you hide them. Because you don't got the nuts like an empty asylum. I like that line, too. 
Racism's the only thing he's fantastic for. Cause that's how he gets his rocks off and he's orange. Yeah, sick tan. That's why he wants us to disband, cause he cannot withstand the fact we're not afraid of Trump. Walking on eggshells, I came to stump. That's why he keeps screaming, drain the swamp, cause he's in quicksand. That's enough. That's enough. It's enough heat right there. <laughs> I think that the most telling thing about this, Trump has yet to respond. He's not going to respond. I want him to. So bad. So bad. Because it's not going to be good. It'll be it'll be something stupid. It'll be a tweet. Because that's, that's, that seems like seems like that's someone who knows how to respond to anything. Um, or at a rally. And then we get more of this. <laughs> we get more of Eminem going at him. Uh, I loved it. I, I was wondering what they bleeped out. So they bleeped out Melania's name and the word plot. So it didn't seem like he was doing something. Okay. Yeah. So it didn't seem like he was threatening the president. Even though um, that's been done. But I'm yeah. not going to go there. Not going to go there. Um, but no, I liked every second of it. I loved every second of it. Um, I guess the thing that, that I like, I liked what he said and everything. It was, it was very straightforward. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, um, uh, when I posted, I was like, okay, so where's, where's the lie? Like, you know, what's he saying that that's not true. Is there anything that he's making up? I didn't think that, I didn't think no. any of it was made up. No, um, fake news, <laughs> no fake news, <laughs> none of that. Um, and the thing that was weird to me was like the criticism that Eminem received. Like what? Like, because like, because he's white, oh, basically God. because he's white, he shouldn't have, or he shouldn't have said it, or it doesn't matter all that much. Like basically trying to diminish, um, what he said. So because he's a white guy. He's not allowed to speak again. He's not allowed to be, be, speak up or be an activist or yeah. That's and I, and I feel like it's a lot of crap, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it is, you know. And if it had been a, a black or if it was if it was a if it was a Kendrick, if it was Jay Z or Kanye or whatever, um, it wouldn't have. I, I feel like I, I, I don't want to think this way, but I feel like it would have just gotten like lumped in with everything else. I don't. Well, I don't all the other think anti anti presidential rhetoric. I think Kanye would have been big enough. Kendrick maybe gets buried. Um, Jay-Z, I just don't think is angry enough. Jay-Z's living too well right now. But Kanye. Kanye still is a little. He still got. That it would have been interesting though if Jay had said something. If he had a freestyle like this, yeah. similar to this, to where because there's this there's this notion that just because, um, just because black people the black people who have money mm -hmm. their word doesn't mean anything. Yeah, like people tried to use that with Colin Kaepernick. Like, oh, you're making sixteen million dollars. You're not. You're not really that all that oppressed. Like the money part doesn't matter. Anyway. And it's problematic if you're thinking that way, that just because black people have money, then racism no longer exists for them. That's not a thing. That's Ask Michael like, Bennett uh, about that. That's why I like, uh, I like Kanye's line. You're just still a nigga in a coop. 
(laughs) And that's why I think I could hear this from Kanye and I don't think it gets buried. I mean, think about the last time he did something similar to that. George W. Bush does not care about black people. The look on Mike Myers' face, (laughs) the look on... Is etched in everyone's memories. Like the look... (laughs) The look (laughs) on Chris Tucker's face because he clearly doesn't know why they cut to him. (laughs) Yeah, Chris Tucker wasn't ready. Like, why y'all going to be? It's it's not time yet. No, he wasn't ready. It's not time yet. That was was the inspiration for the Kevin Hart joke. No, he wasn't ready. (laughs) So... I do think it'd be interesting if if Kanye did something like this just because he has the reputation of being like just angry, like an, like kind of like an ang- well, not angry, but just like and I don't want to say problematic, but he has that reputation of kind of being a d bag. So like they'd be like, oh, it's Kanye being a d bag again, but he'd say some real things. Like it's, I think Kanye West is a very intelligent rapper. It just gets lost in all of the crap, the the Kardashian. But I think, yeah, I think that would have the people would have had a problem with that. You can't, you can't please everyone, yeah. obviously. But it's like people go really far to make some kind of argument, like, okay, Eminem's a white rapper. Um, you know, he's not he's not black, so it doesn't count, mm-hmm. which is stupid. Yeah, that that I mean that that's a stupid stance to take. Uh, it's a problematic stance to take. Um, yeah, white just, rappers are good. <laughs> I mean, just well, with, I know what you with mean, someone of his, of his stature. Yeah, um, you know, to take the to take a, a stance against the president. You know, black people need more white people like him. realizing <laughs> what's going on. You know, yeah. Um, and I and you know it was kind of like when um, I have I I still have not seen Get Out. I still haven't seen it. I know. <laughs> what you doing this weekend? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll I'll try to make time. <laughs> a, yeah, you need to see Get Out. It's but um, but with what that movie is about and Jordan Peele, you know, making that movie, uh, you know, it started a conversation about race relations, how people, about stereotypes, and how black people are are looked upon a mm-hmm. lot of times. And someone put up a meme like, yeah, see, y'all all been tricked because all y'all doing is giving him money so he can go feed his white family because his wife is oh, Chelsea stop. Peretti, Who, what? who, who is cares? white, and they just had a child. Oh, they did? Know, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but it made it seem like he's tricking black people into giving him money so he could go feed his white family. And I've never... I. So I, I used to tell you about like when I would hang out with my white friend, mainly my white female friends, and I would walk into like a restaurant with them and I would get the sold out look from black people like you sold out. I'm like, first of all, this is a friend of mine. <laughs> Second of all, who cares? Like it's he may he he's an artist, a black artist. How many of those are there out there making a lot of money doing that? You know, like he didn't trick us. He made a good movie that people went to go see and they enjoyed. There's no trickery involved. I saw the movie. I didn't feel tricked. I'd give him more of it if I could. I might buy it, honestly. That's one of those movies I might own. Um, that's ridiculous. Like, we don't need that type of division. We've already got the president up here trying to divide us. Why are we trying to divide each other? I don't get it. Yeah, it's... Uh, um, but I, just, just seeing that, that was, like, infuriating. Like, it's like black people can't do nothing. nothing. I still it, maintain, it, though... Not even can't do anything different. <laughs> like writing a horror well uh, I don't know if it's a horror it's, movie it's a horror but film, a, yeah. a horror suspense thriller type movie 
kind of and, and it's and it's satirical from what I understand. But don't you do it with no white wife? <laughs> don't have a white wife when you do it. For that episode of the Boondocks, I know I found you here with that white woman. <laughs> but no, I still agree that all of this got started because Donald Trump really wants to own an NFL team and they won't let yes, him. Yes, he wants it. They won't let him. <laughs> Find the 30 for 30 small potatoes who killed the USFL. He wants a team The answer so to bad. that is the current president of the United States. Yeah, he wants to, he wants a team. He wants to own an NFL team so bad. And they won't let him. They won't let him. He tried him. to buy one three years ago. He tried to buy the Patriots. No, he tried, to, he tried to buy the Bills three years ago. Yeah. He got outbid. Who did he try to buy initially? He initially tried to buy, like, the Cowboys in the <laughs> mid-'80s before Jerry Jones bought him. Oh, God. And he says, I feel bad for whoever buys that team. Yeah, they're just worth, you know, $4 billion yeah, right yeah. now. And you're not. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he, then he tried to buy the Patriots in the late 80s. I don't know if Bob Kraft bought the team then. Yeah. But he got outbid then, I think. So, mm. and they were, but the thing is, they the NFL owners, if, if they do it how baseball does it to where if you want to buy a team, the other owners have to like. Approve it. Have approved, have to approve it. They have mm. to see that you're a cool person to the own a team. Never gonna that let you're not, in. you know, crazy. And after what happened with the USFL, where he he sued the NFL, yeah, they're never how are you gonna sue the that. NFL and then buy an NFL team? Yeah. It wasn't gonna happen. Mark Cuban's a much better person. So now person, he's salty, and they won't let him in. <laughs> Baseball won't let Mark Cuban in. Yeah, and he's a much cooler person. <laughs> <laughs> so good luck. All right, so um, at this point though, it's just funny. Like to see it, like because he won't let it go. Like, yeah. it starts leaving the news cycle, and it's like, uh, uh, uh. Like, the, the protest <laughs> thing had stopped. It had stopped. And he's like, And uh, then he had to come in and say something about the NFL. So then here comes Jerry Jones. Yes, I am a Cowboys fan. I am disappointed in Jerry Jones for that stunt he pulled in Arizona. And he, he keeps bringing up this stuff about the... It didn't take that for me to be disappointed in Jerry Jones. <laughs> I mean, there's some, uh, there's some other you know, questionable <laughs> things, but it's like, come on, man. Like, no one was. That team should have the whole more point Super has been lost. <laughs> the whole point has been lost of what the protests were about. And people keep saying anthem protest, anthem protest. Yeah. They're not protesting the national anthem. The protest happens during the national yeah. anthem. That is not the same. No. They're protesting the flag. No one said anything about the flag. Yeah. No, not even. Certain people came up in here talking about the flag. You know, people like Urban Meyer's wife. She probably thinks about the flag. Oh, goodness. Well, like Colin Kaepernick is suing. Well, he's filing a grievance against the NFL Mm -hmm. claiming collusion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would file for collusion, too, if I fit the Titans offense and then they go and sign Brandon Whedon. Because Marcus Mariota's hurt, isn't he? Mariota's hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And they got Matt Castle. But instead of bringing Colin Kaepernick in, mm-hmm. who fits the offense Why perfectly, they, get they bring in Brandon Whedon. Where? What was he doing? Sitting on the couch. Brandon <laughs> Whedon, huh? Someone um, brought up him. I don't want to go too far into sports, but this is interesting stuff. Someone mentioned him going to the 49ers. Whedon? No, Colin Kaepernick going back to the 49ers to play with Cal uh, Shanahan. Because that might be what he's looking for as, as far as a quarterback. I know the players would welcome him back. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know if the city would. I think the city would welcome him back too. It's a very liberal city. I, th- I think he was just he was he he left because it was a money thing, not really anything yeah. else. That was more about money. Like 
okay, we're paying you too much money right or now. Or hell, who's who's starting in place of Derek Carr right now? Uh, EJ Manuel. But Derek Carr came back. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, well, never mind then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So this Eminem freestyle. Yeah, you know. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he should play the Super Bowl. He should be the special guest and do that freestyle at the halftime. I don't know if, if Justin Timberlake will totally sneak him in. No. I mean, what would they do together? There's no... I don't know. They don't have any songs together. I think like Eminem's like made fun of him and, and didn't probably, sing too much. Yeah, he probably. <laughs> the only thing I could think of is if they did a version of Stan and Justin Timberlake sings the idol's part. I could totally, could, see, could I could work. see that happen, but that's, I mean, like that's there's not that, much. that's too dark of a song for the Super Bowl. Though. Yeah, that would be so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Tease um, gone cold. I'm wondering why <laughs> the Pepsi halftime show. <laughs> this way to bring down the whole mood, Mm-mm. the whole mood. You know what? In the future show, since it's basically confirmed, we need to we need to we should do a guess the the set list. The Justin yeah. Timberlake set list, because I'm fairly certain what it's going to be. And Can't I, Stop the Feeling is going to be the last song yeah, and that's going to be the finale. Unless, because I'm, I'm sure we both think he's bringing NSYNC out, unless NSYNC is a part of the finale. If that's the case, I could see them ending with maybe um, Bye Bye Bye. I don't know, but like I could. No, it's gotta, it's gonna, it's gonna end with a ballad. So they're probably gonna do a God must have spent a little more time with you because it has God in it. And they'll raid the flag. And see, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and no one is allowed to kneel. No, except to praise his name. <laughs> Get Janet Jackson in there too, just because you know. It, it topless. I, it, you know, yeah. So. It, well, I don't know about that. Why not, man? Just bring her out topless. It's cool. <laughs> you can blur it out. <laughs> Just, you know, give the people who pay for their tickets a show. <laughs> it's going to be in Minneapolis, too, so it'll be cold. It'll be <laughs> They're going to be inside. Yeah, she'll come from outside. <laughs> Family show. <laughs> um, right. Moving on. Yes, yes. Uh, speaking of those who may have been topless at some point. Um, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. <laughs> so, a member of the Pussycat Dolls, remember them? Um a member of the Pussycat Dolls, Kaya Jones, claims that the group was basically a prostitution ring and were sexually abused. Um, it's very uh, interesting that the the timing of it all, not not discounting it. Yeah, not discounting just it at the all. The timing yeah. is is interesting, you know, considering um, all the news with Harvey Weinstein this week, um, or this past week at least. So. Um, Kaya Jones, a member of the Pussycat Dolls from 2003 to 2005, claims the group was sexually abused, which is the, one of the reasons she had to leave the fame and a $13 million record deal. In a series of critical tweets over the weekend, Jones alleged that the group's members were a prostitution ring. Oh, and we happened to sing and be famous, while everyone who owned us made the money. How bad was it? People ask, bad enough that I walked away from my dreams, my bandmates, in a $13 million record deal. We knew we were going to be number one. That's insane. <laughs> that's insane to me. Like that's I mean, like a group that you know singing. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I want, I want, I want to wait for more stuff to come out. But if true, that's pretty. That's pretty wild. They were yeah. really hot. <laughs> um, and then just to know that they were, you know, they were prostitutes. Like, 
you gotta wonder like of course I say I want to hear what Nicole Scheidinger says but will she lie to save face you know does she want to be seen as just like you slept your way to the top well I think she would um, I think she would try to avoid addressing it at all Hmm, good point you know avoid all the interviews avoid any questions of it you know um, it also says here that uh, with, with Kaya Jones tweeting uh, when alleged that the girls were used as leverage for inappropriate behavior to be part of the team you must be a team player meaning sleep with whoever they say if they if you don't they have nothing on you to leverage yes I said leverage meaning after they turn you out or get you hooked on drugs they use it against you correct victimizing the victim again mm. so it was as if they were going to get their way one method or another. That's crazy. That's uh that's disappointing. It's it's sad. Yeah. Um and she said she also shed light on the dead mother from hell. Okay, yeah, group, I saw that. Who is the dead mother from hell? Uh who fans allege is the group's founder, Robin Anton. Now the Pussycat dolls, they weren't just like the the pop group yeah. with Nicole Scherzinger. They were a burlesque group. Uh, a, right? a burlesque group. I think they were based out of Vegas, or I at least they so. had you know shows there. Carmen Electra was as part of it, or like the lead singer, or what what have you of the group. Um, and uh, fans allege that the Den Mother from Hell is Robin Anton, the, the group's founder. Uh, Jones didn't name exact, didn't name names in that regard, but she did say, "I want the Den Mother from Hell to confess why another one of her girl groups, girl group girls, committed suicide." Tell the public how you mentally broke us. And she was referring to GRL singer Simone Battle, who committed suicide in September 2014. Mm. Um, and she also went on to claim that she has allegedly been warned that if she talked, she would end up dead or with no career in Hollywood. That's why I have so much respect for our military. I've been through way worse. I think that's what she meant to say. But my scars, you can't see. At least real war... Oh, I've been through war. At least real war is honest. Why don't we report it? Because we were all abused. I personally have been warned. If I tell, I will, you know, end up dead or no more career. And she said, Robin Anton and the record label made all the money. We as Pussycat Dolls are paid $500 a week while we were being abused and used. Fact. Damn. Mm. So, um... Uh, we'll see if anything more comes out of this. I think um, Robin Anton did respond, basically denying everything that she said. Um, but where do people want to hear from as far as this goes? They want to hear from Nicole Scherzinger. So, I mean, if they can find her. Looking at it, though, I mean, she's been speaking out against them for a while. Like, I'm looking here at an article that came out back in 2012. You know, where she's claiming people have no idea what happened um, in the Pussycat Dolls. More more so just, you know, kind of going up against Nicole Scheisinger. Um, hmm. So, I don't know. So, uh, they might try to write her off as a, she's just a crazy joke. Because she, she was in the group right before, you know, they got famous, basically. We do have a clip here from U.S. Magazine. And uh, this is... Um, sure nothing's playing right now okay 
So, uh, Robin Anton may have had something to say. I knew that I wanted to get girls that were going to really gel together and really, you know, uh, protect and respect each other. Cat claws are out. Robin Anton, the founder of the Pussycat Dolls, is lashing out at member Kaya Jones, who alleged the former girl group were part of, quote, a prostitution <laughs> ring. Anton told The Blast that her accusations were disgusting, ridiculous lies, and Jones is clearly looking for her 15 minutes. There is another way to deal with this. Jones was a member of the group from 2003 to 2005. However, she reportedly was on a trial basis and was never an official member. Jones seemingly called out Anton on Twitter, writing, I want the den mother from hell to confess why another one of her girl group girls committed suicide. Many alleged that Jones was talking about GRL singer Simone Battle, who committed suicide in September of 2014. Anton told The Blast that the comment was nasty and disrespectful. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like looking at this article, she's kind of saying that it happened back then. She says, Melody Thornton sang a bit. So she's basically saying that None of them really sang on the album. Uh, and A&R Rep came and played the album for them, and they had never heard it before. So basically, Nicole Scheisinger did most of the album, her and Kaya Jones, it seemed like. Says, Melanie Thornton sang a bit here and there, but the records for Nicole, with the exception of, a, of an occasional ad-lib, they were created with her. The other girls worked just as hard. They traveled just as hard. They showed up. They rehearsed. They were all part of it, Fair said. Uh, during the special, it was just a group, but Nicole was the singer. The girl should have been gracious all along the whole time. Um, and then it says, uh, there was a part that basically said that like she did, there's a lot more. So, um, says Kaya Jones, who was in the group from th 2003, 2006, that there was a lot going on behind the scenes, which led to Nicole being the main singer of the group. So was she the one that they pimped out the most? Was she willing to do, you know? Hmm. Kaya Jones, she was doing, willing to do things the other ones wouldn't do, so they're like, "All right, you you can sing the most." That'd be very. I mean, this was back in 2012. <laughs> this is 2012. She's saying this, so that's crazy. Oh, there was a behind the oh, there was a behind the music, wasn't there? Huh? They tried to out it then. They tried to say it then. <laughs> that's insane. So, I don't know. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that, uh, how that turns out. Um, uh, see how, see how that goes. Yeah. Maybe Timberland or CeeLo may have something to say. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we have the American Music Awards. I haven't watched the American Music Awards in years. I know this used to be a big deal. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of the American Music Awards, well, the American Music Awards, it basically was determined by, uh, radio play. Yeah. It was all about radio. Um, maybe some, some music videos, some, some of the categories, I think, but a lot of it had to do with airplay. Um, so, um, November 19th, they'll be taking place, uh, hosted by, I'm not sure who they'll be hosted by, but they, uh, will have their, their nominees came out recently. Um, all right, so we'll look at the Artist of the Year. Yeah, I was trying to find who's going to host uh, it, too, but yeah. Uh, Artist of the Year, the Nickelback of EDM, <laughs> Drake, Kendrick Lamar, Bruno Mars, and the most influential artist in black music. 
Hmm. So all male artists there. New artist of the year. It's funny you mentioned that because Halsey came out and is very upset about that. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, new artist of the year, James Arthur, now Horan from uh, One Direction. Yeah. Uh, Julia Michaels, Post Malone, and Ray Shrimmer. How's Post Malone the best new artist? He's been around. Ray Shrimmer's been around. Like, they would have been nominated last year, maybe. Yeah. No Flex Zone came out a long time ago. Yeah. I was, I'm was. i pretty sure I was still working at my previous job when those two artists came out. That's kind of disappointing, American Music Awards. You need to get it together. Um, favorite uh, pop rock artist, Bruno Mars, Drake, the most influential artist in black music. Um, favorite pop rock female artist, Alessia Cara, Lady Gaga, Rihanna. Um... Favorite pop rock song, Closer, Despacito, and Shape of You. Hold on, let me see here. Uh, I think you're further ahead than me. I, I, well, I, I skipped a few categories. Okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to throw all of them. Ah, oh, 21 Pilots. See, this is what... I don't see how Imagine Dragons still passes as rock music. That, that yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's mm. arena rock, I guess. I, I guess. <laughs> New Age arena rock. Um, let's oh see what else God. we got here. Best rap hip hop artist, Drake, uh, Kendrick Lamar, and Migos. All right. So, uh, best uh, favorite country. Favorite is country, country. Is that is duo that... or group? Or are you talking about favorite country song? Let me see here. Favorite country song does have uh, the guy who writes songs about dusty women. Well, I thought, I'm trying to see what this says. If his favorite country, BA, that's all it says. Um, I thought, I see Florida Georgia Line. So I, for, favorite country doer or group, Florida Georgia Line. Oh, yeah. Little Big Town and Old Dominion. Favorite soul R&B male artist, Bruno Mars, Childish Gambino, AKA, and The Weeknd. AKA Donald, they have Donald Glover where I'm looking. Oh, the, they didn't even put Childish Gambino. They, put Charles, they just put Childish Gambino there. Um, this could be good. Best of uh, collaboration. Don't want to know. I'm the one, and Despacito. So um, Justin Bieber has a good chance of walking home with that award. Yeah, he's on. Uh, he's on. I'm the one and Despacito. The remix. Yeah. yeah. Um, video of the year. Despacito. That's what I like. And shape of you. Which got no love. Despacito got no love at the VMAs. At the Let's VMAs. just be real about that, guys. No love. Not not a one nomination. That's so Remember that. They did not get nominated at all. Uh, Travisito. No, Travis D. Ito. I don't know. That's Travisito. Travis D. Ito. <laughs> um, Awaken My Love. Uh, did you hear, have you heard anything else off of Awaken My Love besides Redbone? Uh, California. I didn't. Okay, I think I liked that one. I didn't really and like much. There's another song. It's put it like this: if you like '70s funk, if you like <laughs> Parliament and Funkadelic, and I do, if you like that, you'll like Awaken My Love. I I, I think I was so disappointed that it wasn't because the Internet Part Two <laughs> that I was just like, man, forget it, forget everything. <laughs> what was the first single that he released before Redbone? I can't remember. Hold on, let me see. That was the first single off of uh, 
Awaken My Love. There were two of them. Let me see. Uh, me and Your Mama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Me and yeah. Mama was released on the 10th, and then Redbone on the 17th. I remember listening to Me and Your Mama, and I didn't know at the time it was a funk album. So I listened to that whole song waiting for a verse. <laughs> Just wait. I was like, it's going to start here. Okay. All right. Come on. Come on. It's about to start. And it didn't, it didn't start. But like, uh, but and all, there's also this with another category here. I don't know if the AMAs are being lazy or what. Favorite Latin artist, Daddy Yankee, Luis Fonzi, and Shakira. I thought you were going to say Justin Bieber. <laughs> I feel like those are the only three they know right now. <laughs> Probably. Uh, favorite EDM artist, the Nickelback of EDM. Of course they're going to be in there. DJ Snake and Calvin Harris. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, the top soundtrack, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Moana, and Trolls. I feel like the Guardians of the Galaxy shouldn't count. It, it's like a greatest hit of the 70s. Yeah. It's a mixtape. Like, I could make that. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that reminds me of when um, uh, Zach Braff won a Grammy for Beth. Won a Grammy. Yeah, for his. For Garden State. For the yeah. Garden State soundtrack. Everyone's like, oh, he's so genius. He made a mixtape. Basically. <laughs> he made a playlist. It's very annoying. Very annoying. Yeah. I could win a Grammy every year if you were giving out for playlists. Luis Fonzi, Shakira, Danny. That's crazy. Did Danny Yankee? Well, he was on Despacito. Yeah. So, like, two artists, were, two of them were on the same song, song together. And I wouldn't be surprised if we somehow found out that Shakira sung background vocals on it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look out for that November 19th, uh, the AMAs. Um, so... The Grammy uh, deadline has come and gone, and uh, their billboard has um, put some experts together to see like who would be nominated in certain categories. So uh, we'll start with Best Pop Album. Uh, basically, they predict uh, Ed Sheeran, the most influential artist in black music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bruno Mars for 24 Karat Magic. Uh, Ed Sheeran for Divide, Lady Gaga for Joanne, which is funny because no one was really feeling that record when it came out. Mm-hmm. It's funny what the Super Bowl can do. Um, and then also possibilities: uh, Melodrama by Lord, Rainbow by Kesha, and Tell Me You Love Me by Demi Lovato. Um, do you think anything is going to catch Bruno Mars or Ed Sheeran? No. In this category. I think no. it's it's between those two yeah. to me. Yeah. Um for a song of the year. Let me have to scroll back up here a little bit. And I'm still trying okay, here we go. Song of the year. Um Million Reasons by Lady Gaga, uh, Castle on the Hill by Ed Sheeran, Green Light by Lord, Humble by Kendrick Lamar, and Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. I swear to God, if that wins, that will be the worst win since Single Ladies. That I can't. That song cannot win. I I might stalk some Grammy voters. <laughs> I think that would be. Um, well, no, I was like, like that would be an upset, kind of how um, Steely Dan beat Eminem. 
that one year. <laughs> like, oh, God, that song is... I mean, and it's not even like I think it's bad. Like, it was generally panned by critics when it came out. So the fact that it's in this... Um, it sounds unfinished. The fact that it's even thought of as being a contender just kind of shows you that she can do whatever she wants at this point. And people just like, oh, well, you know, it's Taylor. Just you, eat it up. You know, she's, you know, she ripped off Beyonce and now she's cool again. And snakes. Uh, I would like to see, I would like to see Kendrick Gwynn because no rap song has ever won a song or record of the year. I think we're getting happened. I think, I think he's, if anyone's going to do it, he's relevant enough to do it. So I'm, uh, I think that would be a, um, possibility, uh, for album of the year. Um, what they're saying are a lock to be nominated locks to be nominated. Okay. Kendrick Lamar's damn Ed Sheeran's divide and Bruno Mars, 24 karat magic. Oh yeah. Those are locks. Uh, what could sneak in there if they go five nominees control by SZA, uh, is a dark horse. We always got to have like that, that dark horse out of nowhere kind of album. <laughs> Sometimes they win. Look at arcade fire. <laughs> Weird. I'm still waiting for like a heavy metal record to get like, and, and nominated for something slipknot. Like I want to see <laughs> album of the year slipknot. <laughs> Like they're self-titled, they they, they get like you know deep. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I just that that'd be weird. Like I know, like you mentioned rap, but like those are the two categories right there. Like a metal song of the year. <laughs> like like if like the day that never comes was nominated for song of the year and it won somehow. Like I feel like those two categories, while popular, are so niche. That it's like, oh, well, they have their own categories. Yeah, well, maybe I want to see them. <laughs> you know? Well, pop has their own categories, too, but they keep winning. Yeah, because somehow they let um, they let Arcade Fire sneak into the party. Yeah. Somehow. So now we have had our first. And I, I can only imagine, like, Tom York and Radiohead are just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, we released Kid A. <laughs> we released Paracom okay, Computer. computer. <laughs> no love. Um, they weren't ready yet, man. They weren't ready. <laughs> another contender, if they were going to put in a rock album, I think the Academy loves this oh, band, love. but they don't love them enough. They love not them. enough to give them one of the general, you know, one of the big four. But they love them. Foo Fighters, yeah, Concrete and Gold. I think it's going to be nominated. I haven't even listened to it yet. Yeah, no, they they do like <laughs> I feel them. Like it's going to be nominated for album of the year. They like the Foo Fighters a lot. Um, uh, Wasting Light was nominated. Yeah. for album of the year. Yeah. Yeah, so and that's probably the closest we've had to like a hard rock album getting, and that wasn't even that hard, but like a hard rock album getting nominated. They love <laughs> the Foo Fighters. For, I'm not gonna say for some reason they're a good band, and I think you know you can't help but like Dave Grohl, who's basically they're one of the few rock bands that are quote unquote accessible. Yeah, he's Dave Grohl's everywhere. Like he's playing, he'll he played on Queens of the Stone Age. He played with Jack Black. He he played with um he played with that metal group that he put together Probot where he just played drums on everything. He played with Zach Brown. Like he will play with everybody. Like I I'm surprised he's never played with um like rappers or something like that. Like I'm I'm very surprised that's never happened. Maybe that's a connection that comes in the future, but like yeah, he's 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 everywhere. And I think it's because he's so versatile. And he's got the cred like, "Oh, you played drums in Nirvana." 
that gets you to a lot of doors. <laughs> All right. Um, so as they as there are more articles, we'll look into a few more categories. Let's get into the charts before we continue. The Hot 100. Number one is still Cardi B. Bodak Yellow, parenthesis, money moves. <laughs> uh, but this coming week, we're recording this on a Monday. I think the new charts refresh on Thursday. The number one song will be Rockstar by Post Malone featuring 21 Savage. Currently number two as of this week, but next week it will be number one. Uh, first number one song for both artists. Number three, Mi Gente by J Balvin and Willie William featuring Beyonce. That's why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, 1-800-273-8255 by Logic featuring Lucia Cara and Khalid. That is the suicide prevention hotline. The, they just released a bilingual version uh, with Juanes. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, number five, Look What You Made Me Do by the Fake News of Pop Music. Keeps falling. Keeps falling. Number six, Feel It Still by Portugal, period. The Man. Have you heard this yet? Yeah. I heard it over the weekend. It sounds exactly like I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, number seven, Thunder by the Retired 2K Legends. Number eight, Sorry Not Sorry by Demi Lovato. Number nine, Despacito. And number 10, Unforgettable by French Montana featuring Sway Lee. So the albums, that is the Billboard 200. Number one, debuting at number one, Now by Shania Twain. She's back. She is back. Number two, it was Uncharted last week. Um, greatest Hits by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Pour one up, man. Pouring up, reiterating form. once again, true artists are never appreciated until they're dead, and that's so sad. Number three, "Tell Me You Love Me" by Demi Lovato, debuting at number three, debuting at number four, "The Bigger Artist" by A Boogie with the Hoodie. I've heard this name. I haven't. I'm not familiar with any of his music, though. Hmm, I've never heard of him. Number five, debuting at number five, Younger Now by Miley Cyrus. So is it a pop album or a country album or what? She's all over. I don't think I she, don't know. I don't, she doesn't know what she I wants to be. Yeah. She doesn't know. know. Uh, number six, Stoney by Post Malone. Number seven, Love is Rage 2 by Lil Uzi Vert. Um, number eight, Evolve by the Retired 2K Legends. Number nine, Damn by Kendrick Lamar. And number 10, Divide by the most influential artist in black music. And with the artist 100. So we've thought that if you release an album, you had a chance to be number one. Or unfortunately, if you die, <laughs> you'll never get to see it, though. <laughs> so number one on the artist 100 is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Number two, Shania Twain both uncharted last week number three imagine dragons the retired 2k legends number four demi lovato number five the most influential artist in black music number six post malone number seven the fake news of pop music number eight bruno mars number nine kendrick lamar and number 10 cardi b cardi b so that is the charts there all right um 
So uh, one more thing we'll talk about here. Biopics. I, 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 I like hearing about them, but seeing them isn't necessarily important to me <laughs> for some reason. So uh, a biopic, which would be very, um, I think it would be very interesting. Uh, Curtis Mayfield may have a biopic in the works to be produced by American Idol judge Lionel Richie. America's favorite light skins. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, it's an honor for me to bring the life of one of my idols and friends to the screen. And he acquired the rights to Superfly or actually acquired the rights to his music. Okay. So he has the rights to use the music in the film. So uh, Should be better maybe than- all things are go here. Better than the, uh, <laughs> I'm going to stop. I was going to say better than the Leah movie. <laughs> um, he did acquire the rights from the Curtis Mayfield estate and Curtis Mayfield is in the rock and roll hall of fame twice. Once as a solo artist, of course, What's and the, the other music? as the impressions with yes. the impressions. Yes. Um, cause that was the group he did. It's all right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, their song "People Get Ready" is number twenty-four on Rolling Stone's list of five hundred greatest songs of all time. Nice. Um, and he, uh, Lionel Richie, is working with um, Curtis Mayfield's widow and his son and the estate uh, about moving the project forward. Um, he was. Uh, very active as they were the civil rights movement. So I'm sure that'll be explored. Uh, in the mid sixties, he wrote songs like keep on pushing mm-hmm. people get ready. Um, what was the song you just said? It's all right. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on at a solo career, most famously known for the Superfly soundtrack. Oh yeah. Move on up. <laughs> I love um, that song. <laughs> So uh, no specifics have been made about who's writing it, who's directing it, who's in it. Um, but it's it's going to happen. Yeah. Apparently, probably within the next two years, I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, that that'll be released. Uh, is there anyone like you see you see playing him? No, not right now. Um, especially since it will probably be so far off. It might be someone we don't know. <laughs> as long as it's not, and not because I don't like him, uh, but I think like don't say Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, not Chadwick Boseman. Please do not. Don't play Curtis Mayfield. They offer you the part. Don't take it. For some reason, I'm thinking maybe if he's big enough at the time, John Boyega. I could see that maybe, but I don't know. I mean, like. We're getting a lot of young black stars right now. Not all of them, of course, from America. But I could I could see it could be the hot young black star. They, they might want to get somebody who can sing. So I don't know how well Chadwick Boseman sings or John Boyega or insert young black star here. So that's the, it. It can't be Chadwick Boseman. OK, not is him. he becoming the, the, the new Denzel? He has to play everyone. Well, not not just that, but like. His perform his, he was great in Get On Up. Yeah, I thought he was. The rest of the movie was kind of it was all over the place. Yeah, it was. I think like the the script let him down. <laughs> in forty two, 
that that was just too neat. I like I don't like racism on if you're gonna put racism on the screen, it's too neat. That's how I feel about Remember the Titans. It was too, too neat. neat. Do you think uh you think Harrison Ford felt that way? Because <laughs> he was Ranch Ricky, right? He played Ranch Ricky. Ranch Ricky, yeah. I forgot. He is old. Yeah. He is old. I remember I watched that, I was like, oh god, he's the old guy in movies now. And yeah, yeah. Who else was in that? It was him, Harrison uh, Ford, Chadwick Bozeman. Was there anyone else big in that? Lucas Black. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only other person I remember. He played... Um, Lucas Black is funny. He played Pee Wee Reese. Lucas Black is funny. <laughs> he like he looks like he fell into acting. <laughs> 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 like he just like... God, his forehead's huge. But he looks like he just fell into <laughs> acting. Like someone's like, hey, you want to part in the movie? All right, man. <laughs> just like, <laughs> he was 34. He still plays teenagers. <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Okay, yeah, I forgot that he did play P.B. Reese. Yeah, you're right. That was very clean. Even the kids' book I read about that was dirtier. Huh. They didn't throw the black cat out there or anything. And now you got Chadwick Boseman playing Thurgood Marshall, who, and he is too dark-skinned to play Thurgood Marshall. Yes, he is. I didn't know that. It was the worst, well, well, I I told you the worst casting decision I've ever seen in a film uh, is, uh, Sidney Poitier as Thurgood Marshall. Sidney Poitier as Thurgood Marshall. And there was a there was a movie about um How did I forget he was Black Panther? (laughs) I just (laughs) forgot that he was Black Panther. (laughs) With the um uh when the Supreme Court Supreme Court made the decision about Muhammad Ali like being um when he lost his heavyweight title because he refused induction into the army. Uh, there's a movie made about that, and when the you know the judges kind of made their decision, and who played Thurgood Marshall in that? Danny Glover. Like, what are we doing, Hollywood? Will Smith, Thurgood Marshall. You heard it here first. <laughs> it's gonna be Will Smith as Curtis Mayfield. One, he's too tall to play him, and too light skinned. That didn't stop them. That didn't stop them from casting Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. <laughs> I'll just say that Wolverine was too is like to play. five foot two. <laughs> I don't think people know that he's like five foot two. What Hugh Jackman's like? What six feet tall? <laughs> he's at least six feet. He's probably, huge. He's probably like six three. Yeah, he, he's huge, but no one cared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, that will do it for our um, for our music news. Um, let us know in the comments or. Or in, um, or let us know whenever. Who do you think should play Curtis Mayfield in an upcoming biopic? Hugh Jackman. <laughs> and he, he, you're dead on. He's six two. He's okay. 6'2". Yeah. Um, anyone but Chadwick Boseman. Okay. Uh, so Ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. Um. I'm not a huge fan of this band, but every now and then I am. Um, I found myself singing this song incessantly um, while I was working. <laughs> uh, Too Much to Think by 311. Um, shout out to Matt, who uh, introduced me to it. It's from their album Mosaic. Um, he had it on, on vinyl as soon as it came out. <laughs> I was like, how old school of you? <laughs> He's got like that. He's got um, Equimini on vinyl. <laughs> he likes his vinyl, so... He did. Um, they, apparently, they did. Does like he a, take uh, his record player to the Starbucks with his headphones and listen to he's it? He's not that level of hipster. Okay, not that level of hipster. So he's okay. But like he, uh, 
Yeah, he has the like he just he pre ordered it and so like I guess he got it like a day before it came out and he was listening to it a lot. But yeah, it's a pretty I mean it was a pretty cool album and this is a pretty cool song, yeah. Alright, so too much to think by three eleven and we'll be right back. Too Much To Think by 311 from their latest album. So I'm looking here at a comment that uh, Latoria made. Okay, so she said, why not Jeffrey Wright? Of course. Too light-skinned. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he, when as soon as I saw him, I was like, did, he was he supposed to be like Puerto Rican or something and Quantum of Solace in Casino Royale? No, he was he Puerto Rican in, in Shaft. In Shaft, okay, okay. Peoples Hernandez. <laughs> um, and then she said Iman Walker. Or is it Eamon Walker? Eamon Walker. Eamon he Walker. might be too big, as in like in stature. Yeah. He's a big dude. I can imagine by the time this comes out, too, he might be too old. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know what part of, what period of his life this would cover, but I mean, if this was made a couple of years ago and he lost some weight, maybe. He could do it, but yeah, he looks like he's a little, as uh, Colin used to say, he's got some pudding on him. <laughs> he's a big dude. Like, he looks, yeah, he was in Oz. Did you ever watch that show? I did. Was it any good? It was good. Okay. I, I, I was much too young to be watching that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't get you in trouble. No, no. <laughs> um, so, uh, too much to think by 311. You can find that on our BTT Wags T Your Worms playlist right now. It's on Spotify sponsors. And 
you can look at our all our other earworms. We are uh, we're now at one twenty one. Yeah, they still haven't brought back Hot Rod Hearts. Hot Rod Hearts. <laughs> you know what? I might record my own cover of it and put it on Spotify. <laughs> Um, we'll see about that. Hashtag Hot Rod Hearts. I could probably do it from memory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we started the episode with a live version of Jump by Van Halen. Why a live version? Because it had a different lead singer than the original lead singer of that mm-hmm, song mm-hmm. and of that band. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that was Sammy Hagar uh, with the lead vocals on that live version of Jump rather than the original lead singer, David Lee Roth. And uh, that would lead us to our topic, which is about the dynamics of replacing a band member, uh, whether it's a, a rock group, whether it's a an R&B group. When someone gets replaced... Uh, for whatever reason, whether they were kicked out or, or someone died or, you know, someone decided to go solo because they were bigger than the group or whatever. And the group decided to continue on, (laughs) you know, without Without one of their big stars or whatever. So, uh, that's what we wanted to talk about, like kind of the dynamics or what do you think led to stuff or what, what we found interesting about, um, about band members changing especially like when the uh the group is at like maybe the height of their success you know um and one of the most debate i don't know if it's debated a lot but but it's probably one of the most well-known lead singer replacements is sammy hagar for david lee roth yeah um and i think i think for the better (laughs) just being honest you think like Hagar Hagar was for the better, like what, that yeah. made them better. Yeah, I, I, I th- well, and that's the thing. It's always there's always going to be people who, you know, who say Van Hagar as like a pejorative, like it's an insult to them. Um, and I mean, like while Van Halen was huge with David Lee Roth, I feel like they transitioned into more radio success with Sammy Hagar, more radio friendly songs, bigger arenas, things like that. So for me, I think it was for the better. Um, I think it was more so people liked seeing um, David Lee Roth more than they liked seeing. Like the show. Yeah. And like, I cannot deny that, that um, David Lee Roth was a better front man. He was, he was more exciting as exciting as Sammy Hagar can be um, with all that blonde, like I feel like it's like platinum blonde hair roaming around like David Lee Roth was more exciting like he doing the huge kicks and yeah, all that stuff splits he's jumping around he was charismatic he's a weird looking dude but he was very charismatic and while Sammy Hagar do you think you would say he's a better singer much better singer yeah probably musically he's better than David Lee Roth he played guitar he played guitar <laughs> but as as a front man like you it's not the same visually yeah. so I mean and it wasn't even that he was a bad front man but it's like it kind of changed who they were. Yeah, there's a lot like you, you to live up differently. to. Like so, I, the album I keep thinking of, the concert special, I keep thinking of "Live Without a Net" is is what I keep thinking of. And like the show is great. Like it starts out playing a Dave, uh, Sammy Hagar song. It on, there's only one way to rock. Both Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar are playing guitar. They're trading solos. Um, 
he went full boy band with the uh, with the microphone <laughs> on his on his face so that he could be all over. So he's all over the stage, but it's still not the same. Like he's it's not David Lee Roth. It's not David Lee Roth. He's he's singing better. He's going all around. Like I know when he does um, "Ain't Talking About Love," he's up in the rafters. Like singing to the crowd, like he goes, I, I stood on the edge and I went to the edge and then I stood and looked down. He's looking over like the rafters and it's really cool, but it's still not David Lee Roth. Because <laughs> David Lee Roth was just like, he just oozed charisma. Like it was just something about David Lee Roth. Um, I mean, that's why, that's why it, like, uh, it worked with him for so long. Yeah. And he went, he went solo and his solo album went number one, yeah. like ahead of theirs, ahead ahead of their first one with uh, Sammy Hagar. Yeah, he's he was so cool. So I get it. But I mean, like for me, and I remember one of my guitar teachers at West Georgia, shout out to West Georgia, Brian Mitchell. Um, I remember I said that, that I was like, man, but I was like, Sammy Hagar's a better singer. And he goes, but not for that band. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how a lot of their their fans felt like not for that band. You know, like their first three albums, or first was like Van Halen, Van Halen One, uh, Van Halen Two, uh, uh, Women and Children First, Fair Warning, and 1984. 1984. Um, those albums were like strikingly different from 5150 for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Yeah. Um, I forget what the other ones were. Um, There's another one that that was a number. Yeah. Um. I was about to say OU18, but that's something else. Oh, yeah, yeah it was like OU812. Yeah. OU812, Um Balance, like, I think actually that was around the time they got Gary Sharon. We don't talk about that. Um, Gary Sharon was for Van Halen 3. Yeah, that Van was Halen 3. the only 3. one he was on. Um, <laughs> and so, like, yeah, their their sound did change, did greatly change. Um, I think you, can, you could kind of maybe say you saw some of it coming when um, Eddie started playing more synthesizer. <laughs> Like you could kind of say, all right, that that like 1984 was kind of the transition, but then when Sammy Hagar came on, like it went on the full, like ballads, like yeah. I can't stop loving you, and why can't this be love, and how will I know when it's love? <laughs> and dreams, yeah, and so like, and you know, bigger arenas, you know, probably bigger, but you know, were those songs being played on the radio? Yeah, 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 they were radio friendly. <laughs> I so, mean, the what radio friendly songs were there with David Lee Roth besides uh, Jump? I mean, you hear them on classic rock stations, but I feel like that's about it. Like, I mean, you hear God, you don't, really you don't. I mean, I think when I was a kid or not a kid, teenager, when I was first discovering Van Halen, I might have heard Ain't Talking About Love on, on the classic rock radio and like Dance the Night Away. <laughs> And Pretty Woman, but like, and, and maybe the cover um, of Pretty Woman, yeah, the cover of You Really Got, got me. me, yeah. <laughs> um, but like Unchained, you wouldn't hear that. Like, I had to see that on like VH1 Classic, um, yeah, a lot of the stuff you just would not hear, but like Van Hagar, oh, yeah, like it was like Can't Stop Loving You was everywhere, <laughs> like it was these are big songs, oh, uh, right now, right now. Oh, I remember we watched, all right, I remember watching that video. Because you were, we were trying to find a video in which it featured the entire band, and no one would sing, were singing, and almost it almost happened right now. But there's that one part where Sammy Hagar sings a line. I was like, damn it! I, I was like, that's gotta be the one. It's gotta be the one, and it wasn't. So, but yeah, right now it was huge. Like they never had a song that big. 
you know, next to, I guess, Jump was the closest. Yeah, Jump Jump was number one. I don't know if Right Now was number one, but it probably was their biggest selling single. Yeah, Right Now is I know. Awesome. Well, I know 5150 was their first number one album. Yeah. Surprisingly, guys, 1984 was not a number <laughs> one album. Uh, Jump was the number one song the week I was born. Really? Oh, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, like the, they were, they were two, they were two different bands, yeah. uh, sonically and, um, uh, schematically or however you want to put it. <laughs> but, uh, I, I think like if you are, if you are a musician, you probably like their lineup with Hagar. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just someone who listens to music. You probably like their lineup with David Lee Roth. Oh, and everybody wants some. That would also sometimes come yeah. on the classic rock station. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you know, yeah. If you if you if you like the mu- if you uh, like the music videos and the um, if you like the the show and the the what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I mean, if you've seen the video for Jump, all that stuff that he's doing. Yeah, that was like their live shows. Like he was so, he loved he loved the camera. He loved the action. Yeah, that that was David Lee Roth right there. And it and it feel like he he <clears throat> had to do it to make up for everyone else in the band. <laughs> he had charisma for everyone. Yeah, because they just were. Yeah, they just were. They weren't the most charismatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie Eddie see, but he he looked like he should have. No, Eddie was it a good like looking he had, guy. He, he looked, had the yeah. face. Yeah. But he was, I mean, he was playing like very hard things on guitar. So he was, he was probably concentrating. <laughs> like the fact that he did move around a lot, uh, or I should say as much as he did, it's pretty amazing. Cause like most guitar players that are playing to the complexity level that he is, don't move very much. Like go watch Ongwe Malmsteen. He don't move. <laughs> he just stands there. We just recognize that with Vanny, like with the lead singer, um, that's not the only change they've made. Yeah. Uh, now the bass player is his son. His is Eddie Van Halen's son, Wolfgang, Wolfgang Van Halen. Yeah, which I don't know if he named him after like Mozart. He did, or his guitar, because he named his guitar. I thought his guitar's yeah. name was Frankenstein. Now he had well, he that was the first one he made, but then he had the um his custom guitar that um PV made for him was the Wolfgang. <laughs> Oh. Like he was obsessed with the name Wolfgang. I think he, I think he named him after. I can only imagine. I'm, I'm joking, but yeah, that's just. <laughs> and, and how old is his son? Like 21. Yeah, his son was a kid when they started. <laughs> he got he joined the band. He was like 16. A baby face. He got to go back to school. <laughs> yeah. I saw the pictures. I was like, can he hold a bass? Like, <laughs> and w- w- with that though, with that like, um, like if if Eddie is talking to Alex, mm-hmm. his own brother, he's like. I think I'm going to put Wolfgang in the band. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, he's probably cool with it. How did Michael Anthony feel <laughs> that he was being replaced by a kid? Nepotism. Like, <laughs> Uncle Alex. Like, <laughs> hey, dad. Um, so, yeah, it's like uh, they haven't done a new album with him yet. No, I don't think so. Uh, with with uh, Wolfgang Van Halen, I haven't done one with him yet, but that was a. Um, uh, so who knows how actually how they'll actually sound with him, and 
Eddie Van Halen has said that he's working on his own solo album. That Wolfgang Van Halen will have his own solo album. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that how that turns out. Um, another one that we I feel like we talked about it a lot, but there's still it can still be talked about is with New Edition. Oh yeah, yeah. Bobby Brown out in with Johnny Gill. Um, a better once again another situation where you have a better singer, yeah, a better singer, a better singer coming in, but not as but charismatic. Not a, yes, exactly. Not as charismatic. <laughs> not as as fun to watch on stage and things like that. So because the the joke was with Johnny Gill is that he couldn't dance. That's why he wasn't in the group in the first place. Yeah. Is because he wasn't a great dancer. Um, but they brought him in because he had he had the vocals and the and as if you if you've seen the miniseries. He was going to be the lead singer because they thought Ralph was leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Living the dream. <laughs> the lost Ralph Treswood album. Um, <laughs> um, so they bring him in and uh, listen to. I mean, all you do is listen to uh, the self-titled new edition album. Uh, it said uh, like Ralph saying all the lead parts, mm-hmm. and that's why when Bobby got Mister Telephone Man while he was singing it for twenty minutes, that's yeah. the only lead part he got. So he was gonna sing the hell out of it, basically, because <laughs> he might not get to. <laughs> he won't get a chance. They might cut it from the the set the next night. <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen to him and then listen to the leads that Johnny Gill had on Heartbreak, oh, so much better. <laughs> um, yeah, can you stay in the rain? Uh, Boys to Men, mm-hmm. uh, you're not my kind of girl, mm-hmm. um, and then and then along with the product having Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produce that album, yeah, starkly different from their from their other stuff from, yeah. from previous to that. It's like totally different uh, vocally and sonically mm-hmm. and schematically, possibly. Yeah, I don't think Bobby <laughs> Brown really came into his own as a singer until he until the 80s late 80s when he went solo yeah, and i think he, he started to come into his own yeah i mean king king of stage was kind of the beginning yeah of something but with don't be cruel mm-hmm. uh producers and songwriters kind of figured out what to do with it exactly and that's that's an important thing to find a songwriter that can write for your voice and what which is like the other way around with johnny gill like he didn't have a he was a solo artist first, yeah. but he wasn't having a lot of success because he has this big, powerful voice. Producers and songwriters didn't know <laughs> what to do with him. <laughs> and then he comes into new edition. You know, he maybe just needed to you know be in a group. Um, and then you have Jimmy Jim and Terry Lewis who worked with him on his first three solo albums, I mm-hmm. think, along with Heartbreak. So they figured out what they could do with that voice. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the dynamic of replacing a band member, you know, <clears throat> especially if it's the lead singer or yeah. a lead, or someone who sings lead um, a lot mm-hmm. or has the ability to, uh, at least. The not everyone's voice is going to be the same. Mm-mm. I mean, you can't you can't. That that would be hard to find. Like you're like we talked about Journey, yeah, right. 
clone. <laughs> it's a clone Steve of him. Steve Perry clone. Yeah. Well, the first Steve Perry clone looked like him. Yeah. <laughs> the second Steve Perry clone sounded exactly like him. To the point of where it's just like, you just practiced in your room for years <laughs> to sound like him. Which is very tough to pull off. So, yeah. Um, but you, you can't have, you're not going to have that uh, all no. the time. Mm-mm. And it, and sometimes it's not necessarily the best idea to get someone who sounds Mm-mm. exactly like him. Um, well, exactly so, like the, the, you know, the, the classic lead singer, the yeah. classic lineup. You know? Well, so even to look at something like that, if you take it to like a band like ACDC. Yeah. Loses their singer to, you know, to drug over to a drug overdose. Um Iconic lead singer, Bon Scott, you know, sings on Highway to Hell, TNT, Dirty D's Dunchy. Like, these are classics. How do you how do you replace him? By getting someone who's the complete opposite of him. <laughs> By getting someone like, a you know, Brian Johnson, who sounds quite literally like a bat out of hell on the vocals. Um, so maybe sometimes that is what you need rather than going for the exact same. Because now I'm trying to think, like, of a band that tried that, like, that basically tried to replace their singer or band member with someone who's exactly the same. Typically they don't end up that successful. Well, you look at that with, um, uh, and well, the, the, the move that inspired the movie Rockstar with yeah. Judas priest, mm-hmm. uh, to where the guy that they found Ripper Owens mm-hmm. is, he was, he was the lead singer of a Judas priest tribute band yeah. <laughs> sounding just like him. And while I think fans were cool with that to a certain point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like if you were, you know, if you're a fan, a fan like that only to a certain point where you're okay with, if they got a new person that he sounds like the last person. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did two albums with him. Yeah. He was in the group for a long time, but, uh, and then Rob Halford came back. Yeah. And then, and, and what are you going to do then? And then they just kicked, they just kicked him to the curb, man. And like, and the, but what are you going to do? It's like, well, you know, Rob's back. You know, thanks. Like, I mean, it's better than, well, I don't want to give it away because I think that'd be a good episode to talk about Rockstar. Someone give away the ending if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen Rockstar, go watch it. It's worth it. Some people Mark don't Wahlberg, like it. Jennifer Aniston, the guy who played McNulty on The Wire. Yeah, this guy with Ian Fleming. Yeah. Is Ian Fleming in the wire? Was that him or no? No, no. Uh, Dominic West. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ian Fleming. I forget the name of the guy. Oh, the guy who, well, you haven't seen the Harry Potter movies, have you? The guy who played Wormtail is the manager. Oh, I, I know you're talking about. I can't remember yeah. his name. I know you're talking about. He's like, go on now. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, that was an interesting movie though. Um, but yeah, they didn't in, in ACDC, they went for something completely different. The sound didn't necessarily change. Just the person singing the songs, yeah, changed. Well, let's get let's give an example here. So we'll play TNT. Yeah, this is with Bon Scott. And once again, too, someone like a Bon Scott, and I feel like an ACDC fan would probably want to shoot me for this. Not as good of a singer as Bon Scott. <laughs> I mean, as Brian Johnson. Um, but Bon Scott oozed charisma. He had it. Personality. You know, he was like, he was like that stereotypical like you know, rock star brawler from Australia. Like he was just, you know, he was crazy. Like he was just, he seems like the type of dude that was getting in bar fights. <laughs> and it's, I mean, he's, you know, 
Yeah. I like this line. I, it makes me think of the line from um, Fresh Prince. So he's singing about fighting. <laughs> singing about a bar fight. <laughs> So yeah, it's just it, but it worked for what they were doing. So this was this was the seventies, right? When they yeah. released this, yeah. So this is uh, this is Black Back in Black, which was the first album with Brian Johnson. Mm-hmm. Played it every baseball game where a reliever comes in. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to the mound. I think this was produced by Mud Lang, wasn't it? Why was I about to think of John Rocker? <laughs> now, did, did you, you ever hear the story that Bomani Jones tells about being in the stands at a Braves oh, yeah. game? John Rocker, where he was, out. he was like really tired, and then he saw that uh, John Rocker got a standing ovation. At, he said this was after the interview. After, after the interview. <laughs> Let's see, back in black. Or well, I wonder if it, if not Mutt Lang. Um, yes, <laughs> the Mutt Lang. <laughs> God, that guy was like, he was like the 80s rock version of Max Martin. Like, if it was big, it was probably Mutt Lang. Big guitars, yeah. And so that's, and that's, you know, a band that was as big as ACDC, like, that's gotta be scary to walk in those shoes. Especially with metal fans, and this isn't a this is not a shot at metal fans because I know you guys can be very insular, but y'all aren't very open to newcomers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all are not very open to newcomers at all. To any new things <laughs> so, in general. And 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 shout out, I don't know if he's listening, but to uh, my friend Pat Delaney and his brother Robbie, who are the two most open-minded metal fans I've ever met. Um, they would be. I think they would give something like this a shot because I've I've heard them talk about their favorite metal bands and like oh Slayer did this or you know so and so did this and they're very open minded. But I feel like and I mean it kind of did happen. Like metal fans weren't very receptive. They were just like eh, who is this guy? And then he opened his mouth and they were like oh okay he's cool. <laughs> it makes me think of um the episode of um the Simpsons where they formed the Barbershop Quartet and they replaced Chief Wiggum with Barney and everyone's upset until they hear Barney sing. Like at first they're like, they're like Wiggum forever, Barney never. And then they hear him sing. They're like Barney forever, Wiggum never. I feel like that's what it was. It's like, they heard him sing. They're like, okay, you know, this is cool. So, um, one, I guess, uh, uh, to think of like the reasons why someone gets replaced, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a lot of times you would see, uh, like you at ACDC's case, a drug overdose, like yeah. you said, um, when the, in the case of like a Van Halen or new edition, um, personalities to personality, personality clashing. Yeah. You know, you have the guy with, you know, a lot of charisma. And a lot of personality, but with that charisma and personality comes, <laughs> comes he's extra responsibility. Yeah, 
it's, and then you end up getting someone, then you end up replacing it with someone who they may have some personality, mm-hmm. some charisma, yeah, but not as much. Nah. Because you need you need to go in a different direction. Yeah. You Easier to deal person. with. <laughs> or in the case of, and so to bring this one up, um, the case of replacing Dave Mustaine for Kirk Hammett. So this was a guy who the story is just amazing, and not a ton. Of, <laughs> and so like it, it wasn't necessarily charisma; he was just destructive. Yeah, when he, he was, got drunk, he was drunk. Just, yeah, he he was he was like I think it was, someone said like when the rest of the band got drunk, you know, everyone was you know hey, yeah, happy, happy having a good time with him. He wanted he got violent. He wanted to fight, <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't mix. No. And so, yeah, they basically woke him up one day and I'm trying to find the story so I don't mess it up because it's, it is such a good story. Um, <laughs> let me make sure. Uh, yes. So the other members decided to eject Mustaine from the band because of his drug abuse, drug and alcohol abuse, um, before the recording session. So this was before they recorded, um, was this Master rather Puppets. lightning? Oh, right. Kill them all. I can't remember. This one says... Uh, I, I think it was before Kill Em All. Or this was before that one. This is Metal Up Your Ass. Um, let me see here. I'll go to his his page. Because the story is very funny how they did it. Um, and there's a picture of him. I swear that he... His 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 voice is so weird. Well, why are you looking for that? The thing with... Um, that I knew with... It was before Kill Em All. And uh, they had recorded some stuff. Mm-hmm. But they hadn't completed it. And uh, when they kicked him out of the band, they still had to work on the album. But basically, when they brought in Kirk Hammett, they kind of reused some of Mustaine's stuff. So he does get co-writing credit on some of the songs. Yeah. And and, I mean, not even to talk crap about him. The guy's a really good guitar player. He's a really good writer. But when he got problems, he got problems. And he even came out and kind of admitted it. Um, So let's see here. Uh, so on April 11th, 1983, after Metallica had driven to New York to record their debut album, Mustaine was officially fired from the band because of his alcoholism, drug abuse, and overly aggressive behavior and personality clashes with the founding members Hetfield and Ulrich. An incident Mustaine refers to as no warning, no second chance. <laughs> the band packed up Mustaine's gear, drove him to the Port Authority bus terminal, and put him on a Greyhound bus bound from Los Angeles. And from New York. <laughs> from New York. It was on the bus that a bus ride that Mustaine scribbled some lyrical ideas on the back of a handbill, which would later become set the world of fire from the 1988 Megadeth album. So far, so good. So what? So, I mean, he went on to be successful, but um, not as successful as Metallica. <laughs> nah. So, yeah, they put him on a bus, a bus from New York to L.A. It's not like, a, oh, so when's my plane leave? Nah, bro. You're in the bus. <laughs> Get a Greyhound. Uh, this bus ticket. <laughs> You'll be cool, right? You you good, right? Yeah, just just sleep it off, man. You drunk? <laughs> like, so yeah, that was to me. That was I mean, like it's tragic and funny at the same time. <laughs> um, and like honestly, I I do think he is a better guitar player. So this is one of the one of the rare instances where I do think <clears throat> they fired someone for a less talented. Like Kirk Hammett is good in his own right, but I do prefer the guitar playing of uh Dave Mustaine. He is to me like a mix of Kirk Hammett and James Hetfield. Like he's got the rhythm and riff chops of a James Hetfield and he can play leads like um as easily as Kirk Hammett. Like he's all in one. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a huge ego. 
He's he was just really good at what he did. Probably wanted to be the singer. I wouldn't be surprised if he clashed with James Hetfield on that. But he's not a good singer. He's just a really, really, really good guitar player. Um, that like almost looks bored when he's playing. He's so good. <laughs> just saying, like he's really good. Um, <clears throat> another uh, or was the the dynamic change, of course, when you get a uh, when someone leaves or you get someone else. Uh, this was more contractual uh, with the Jacksons. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget. It's my blood one of your veins. Not Barry Gordy's. <laughs> beat, 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 beat. So, yeah, if you've seen the Jacksons in American Dream, uh, the scene where um, the group decides to uh, leave Motown. Yeah. And everyone has signed the contract for CBS. Except for Jermaine, but Jermaine has some family ties, some other family ties, rather than, you know, the actual blood running through his veins. Um, he married the boss's daughter, mm-hmm. basically, and um, he ended up staying at Motown. Uh, he did have a hit, um, Let's Get Serious, written by Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. I didn't um, like that song. <laughs> you didn't like that song? I didn't really care for it. <laughs> no. Um and uh you know, the the rest of the Jacksons move on. They they had to rename themselves the Jacksons because yeah. the uh, Motown owned the Jackson Five. So they move on and um they had, you know, more success. Uh, being able to having some creative control as well. Yeah. Uh, at first they, they did like a song or two, but they worked with some different songwriters. They worked with, um, Gamble and Huff, I believe. And, um, uh, I don't, not sure if it was Holland Dozier Holland. That might've still been Motown, but the, the point is they had some creative control over what they wanted to do once yeah. they left Motown. And, um, and it was kind of an easy trade. Maybe it was an easy transition. Like, okay, well, we have an extra Jackson over here, <laughs> <laughs> and he's always Who, wanted who's to be. just been waiting in the wings this yeah. whole time. Um, you know, ready to step in. Um, so, and I feel like that's basically what happened. Like, yeah. it was just like another in the assembly line. <laughs> <laughs> what if someone else left the group? <laughs> what if there's another son that could have stepped in? Um. And what's funny is that they didn't, it wasn't explored really at all in the, in the mini series. It made it seem like Michael and Jermaine were close, but as it went on, especially after they, after the Jacksons left Motown, um, there was a little bit of a beef between Michael and Jermaine. Yeah. Um, there was the, the notion that Jermaine wanted Thriller to flop. Mm. And when that didn't happen, it had there's there are two occasions in which, the, in which this happened. So when Michael won Album of the Year, he went up to get his award, and with him on the stage, he brought up Rebe and Latoya and Janet, mm-hmm. and he's like, and um, you know, I just want to thank everybody, and you know, all my brothers and sisters, including Jermaine, and he like pointed to Jermaine like. I got you. <laughs> and, then, and then when they did the Motown 25, mm-hmm. 
uh, after they did their medley, everyone went off stage before he sang Billie Jean. He's like, yeah, those are, those are the good old days. And it was, it's such a great feeling performed up here with my brothers, including Jermaine. (laughs) Shade. (laughs) Oh God. So, um, so yeah, there was some, um, beef between them and it continued. What's funny is that that continued into, um, Jermaine started working with Babyface and L.A. Reid. Mm-hmm. Michael wanted to work with L.A. Reid and Babyface. So he brought them over to the house. <laughs> I think this is when uh, he was make, in the middle of making Bad. Yeah. Or between Bad and Dangerous. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, Jermaine Jackson put out a song called uh, Word to the Bad. So this was after Bad. Yeah, I'm seeing this here. The Michael Jackson diss. Yeah, that was that was that was the Michael Jackson diss song. Who disses their brother? Like that's so weird. <laughs> the story is that song was on the radio for two days, and somehow Michael got it pulled completely off the radio. Oh God! It was he he got oh, it he yeah. got it pulled off the radio as if it had never been there in the first place. It says, <laughs> aye, aye, aye. <laughs> you don't don't feud with your brother who's more talented and successful than you. I guess. <laughs> It's the, it's, the, it's the moral of that story. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, so that that's a, definitely a dynamic that can happen when uh, when band members change, especially when it's the family act. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could just you know throw somebody in there, um, uh, one of the more uh, I don't know if it's debated a lot. You know, I'm not I'm not re- I'm not a metalhead at all. <laughs> uh, but with Black Sabbath with Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio. So, and that's interesting because I, I, I have not heard, I knew it happened, but I hadn't heard much um, Ronnie James Dio era Black Sabbath. I've heard, you know, Dio. I've heard yeah. that band. Um, once again, and I feel like this is going to be the theme of the episode much better singer. <laughs> Ronnie James Dio was a much better singer than, than Ozzy Osbourne, but Ozzy Osbourne was the more charismatic. You know, that's the theme here. He had the, he had the charisma. He had the personality. Malady, yeah. But he also had that dangerous personality where he, you he know, did a lot of crazy better shit. looking. Yeah. <laughs> he did a lot of crazy things. So, um, Riding heads off of bats. Yeah. But that was an accident. Yeah. He, he thought, was, he thought it was a rubber bat. Very funny story, <laughs> but yes, he thought it was a rubber bat. It's like, he's not that high or was he? Um, but yeah, like you, you know, you go back and listen to things like war pigs, which is my favorite black Sabbath song. You listen to paranoid. You listen to iron man. I don't know what they did during the Ronnie James Dio era. Well, I will play something. So, uh, to give you a little example here, this is paranoid and it's a great riff, by the way, <laughs> So, I don't know why I keep skipping like that, but. I guess the key here is listen to how Ozzy, uh, what I've read is Ozzy sings with the melody, with the guitar. Yeah. That's how he sings the words. He got out of that later in life, though. Like when he when you hear like stuff like Crazy Train or um you know Mr. Crowley, he kind of changed a little bit. But yeah, I see what you mean. Very um I don't know if a melodic is the word for it, but he follows 
he does follow that melody. He doesn't really stray away, or stray away a lot from it. Classic metal track. Classic. So that is with um, with Ozzy. And so with Ronnie James Dio, this is Neon Knights. Man, they look and like they said, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I just had to make sure he was still alive. <laughs> so this is what this is with Ronnie James Dio. And they said he sang across the riff. So the band basically had to change a little bit how they play and how they write because of the vocalists they had. Yeah, he's always had that very sweeping sound. God, he's such a much, much better singer. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Rest in peace, man. Such a good singer. I feel like that, like somebody with like his voice. Now these record companies have to find the metal band with the guy who may or may not have had opera training. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so it's funny that you say that because like there were some metal bands. Like I know, I feel like uh, the singer um, James Labrie from J- from Dream Theater probably would list Ronnie James Dio as a big influence because when he gets into his higher register, he does that stuff. He doesn't do it as well. But he does that <laughs> stuff like Ronnie James Dio um, is, you know, not even speaking in hyperbole is probably considered one of the greatest, you know, metal singers of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's 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 that good. So, I mean, like you went and got someone really good to replace him. <laughs> now, what what is uh, that? We talked about how like the, the first singer or the classic lineup singer had the charisma and the personality and maybe the looks. And then the second guy may be more talented, mm-hmm. but he likes all that other stuff. He dials it down a bit, yeah. What do you think of someone like a uh, like with Iron Maiden, like with Bruce Dickinson to was it Blaze Bailey? I forget the name. Let me look that up. Um, yeah. Well, no, it was Bruce Dickinson was the second singer. Bruce Dickinson was the um, was they had they've had three, right? Yeah, yeah. So Bruce Dickinson was the second person. Um, cause the first sing the first singer they had was, if I remember correctly, was not, didn't have the range that Bruce Dickinson had. Um, he was a little bit more punk inspired. Oh yeah. So yeah. Paul Diano is who he replaced, mm-hmm. who, um, was not as technical as Bruce Dickinson. Um, and then who did they go to next after that? I think it was Blaze Bailey. Blaze. Okay. So Blaze Bailey. I'm not too familiar with his work, to be honest. Which albums did he do? Uh, the one I have on the list is the X Factor. Because I for, I totally forgot they had a, th- a third singer. Because they went back to uh, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. Um, when they did that song, The Wicker Man. I can't remember which album that is. Um, play, can you play some of his stuff? The Blaze Bailey track. Uh, well, yeah. This is Man on the Edge from the X Factor. That. That is classic Iron Man. Hey, hey, what's up? Abe is watching us live. Abe is pimp. He said, what up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's classic Iron Maiden right there. What year did this come out? 
He uh, sounds just like Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> 1995. He sounds like Bruce Dickinson. He writes like Bruce Dickinson. He sings like Bruce Dickinson a little bit. Yeah. I think there was a bit of a drop off. Well, he doesn't have the power of the range, it doesn't seem like yet. And honestly, it could just be the fact that this sounds so much like classic Iron Maiden. Like the beginning of that song almost kind of sounded like the beginning of the evil that men do. <laughs> so I'll, I'm going to play Run to the Hills. Oh, yeah. This is why I thought, like, this is a huge drop-off between Bruce Dickinson yeah. and Blaze Bailey. I'm, like I said, I'm not a metalhead. Um, yeah, we should. I, but, I might talk to Patrick and see if he if he guessed on an episode, because he's a huge metalhead, but he's not, like, metal over everything. Like, I think, and I think that allows him to talk about metal and just music in general in a very nuanced fashion because he won't sit here and be like metal is better than life and food like (laughs) (laughs) what year did Run to the Hills come out? god I love that the galloping 1982 and he says galloping (laughs) that horse gallop sound Okay, yeah. You know what? Maybe I was not thinking at how good Bruce Dickinson was, but yeah, this was a huge drop-off. And I remember reading about how, like, when he would do stuff like that, like those octaves he would go up, or yeah. those um, those intervals he would go up, help create the powerful sound. Like, he, he like, kind of popularized doing that in metal music. Yeah, and he was one of those, like one of those voices to where okay let's find a metal band with mm-hmm. a guy with that kind of voice yeah that's what the record companies think of. Oh, I forgot how good he was how good of a singer he was yeah yeah um and then there's some <laughs> what well, we this was this episode was kind of partly inspired by a watch mojo list <laughs> and one of the funniest ones that I think we both saw with the uh band replacement was Axl Rose replacing everyone, everyone else through, in the band. yeah. <laughs> that was that was weird. I guess he just was like, I'm the only one that mattered in this band. No, you weren't. That is and <laughs> that is um that's one of those examples we talked about with Terrence Trent Darby. This is Axl Rose as the genius, genius unchecked. unchecked. Yeah. Uh when there's no one to check the the leader of the group, um, things can spiral out of control to where if you ask someone to name a Guns N' Roses song, it was probably one that had uh, Slash and mm-hmm. Izzy Stradlin and Duff McKagan, and I'm forgetting someone, but Stephen Adler. Stephen Adler mm-hmm. uh, had those those guys in the band. So mm-hmm. you're probably talking about something from Appetite for Destruction or Use Your Illusion One and mm-hmm. Two. Um, <laughs> I not, forgot about those Use Your Illusion. Yeah. Um, so him replacing everyone just because I don't know, like what yeah. what do you think like led to that? Like, you know, they're not doing what they he don't wants like, they don't or like he's just a difficult person to deal with. They ain't like him, he's difficult. Like he's 
you know, I know they didn't do their own behind the music, but the part of the Metallica behind the music where he talk, they talk about touring with Guns N' Roses up in Canada, like that's what they dealt with. He comes out there, does, you know, a couple of songs and then walks off the stage angry. And he's like, uh, something's on my voice. And they're like, well, you probably shouldn't be sitting there smoking and drinking. If something's <laughs> wrong with your voice. Like he was, just a, he was a diva. I mean, he had a lot of talent and he knew it. But he also didn't realize, like, that was a really talented band fronted by a talented singer. You know, like, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure everyone knows, whoa, whoa, whoa sweet child of mine. But what do people know to start that song out? The riff, riff written by riff. Slash <laughs> that he wrote as a joke. He said he just, it was an exercise in string skipping. He said he thought it sounded like a circus song. But that's what people know about that song. They know that riff. It's like, what do people know about Welcome to the Jungle? What do they play when the when the I feel like that's a relief picture song as well. Yeah. The like they know that beginning and it's like you know yeah you come in welcome to the jungle we know that but like you gotta you gotta be willing to give credit where credit's due man like Slash was your partner in crime he he helped you know he helped. Yeah, that should have been. Um, that's one of those bands that they they could have been greater. Them. They really could they have. Really, they could have been greater than than what we know them to be. Yeah, they have these classic songs, but there's something missing. And mm-hmm. I think like with with these you know members that get replaced, in some cases there is something left to be desired. Uh, when when the lineup changes, yeah. And with the class with the classic lineup, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. You know. Um, no, that was definitely for me. That was kind of what of what could have been. Almost like a almost like a Jimi Hendrix, but they didn't die. Yeah. They just stopped getting along. You know, Jimi Hendrix came in. He gave us Are You Experience, Electric Ladyland. Um, I forget what we got with the experience versus the um, the other band he did. I can't remember the name of it. But, like, he came in. He gave us this great music in a short amount of time, and then he was gone. His was because he died. You know, Guns N' Roses comes in. They give us this great music, and they're they're gone. And it's because the lead singer's a dick. <laughs> it's because no one can get along with him. Because if you didn't know, Slash is still out there making really good music. He's, yeah. he's working with Miles Kennedy. He did one album where he got a whole bunch of lead singers. You know, the late Chris Cornell song on one track. Um, the you know the guy who has lost his mind, Kid Rock sings on one track. Um, Sinister Gates from or is it? I can't remember. The lead singer from Event Sevenfold has a song. And what's great about it is like a lot of the songs he does in the style of that singer. Like, so like the, the song he does with, I, I really, I'm going to guess it's Sinister Gates, but I cannot think of who it is. I think it might be Minister Shadows or M Shadows. He does it in the style of an event sevenfold song. <laughs> he does the Kid Rock song in the style of Kid Rock's later career, because let's face it, Kid Rock don't rap no more. And, um, and then the, um, the one he did with Chris Cornell was just kind of straight ahead rock. But like he's still out there making music and he's still good. He's not as successful, but I mean, like he could still live off his Guns N' Roses royalties. He's 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 doing okay. I saw a video of him at a guitar center, um, and all he had to do was just play like the first three notes of "Sweet Child of Mine," and I swear people just threw money. (laughs) (laughs) They just went crazy, and it's just like you know, no one's going crazy for you, Axel. You know, not like that. You know. I think Slash was the one who kind of came out of this looking, smelling roses. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> um, now, there were some cases in which the maybe the band went into their 
their their classic period, their greatest success, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. With uh, Bob Welch. Um, he did take his song Sentimental Lady and did it on his own and it became a hit. But this was before you're right. I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Uh, <laughs> that was before they got Stevie and Lindsay. Yeah. And they actually made Christine part of the group. Cause she, she was, <laughs> she was working with them, but she wasn't yeah. a member of the group yet. Yeah. So, you know, you have something like that. Um, and so, of course and they went on to have their biggest success. Yeah. Was definitely. A lot of courtesy of, I think of Lindsey Buckingham and his writing style. Yeah. 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 Cause he, like he came in and he became like the, the, the principal songwriter. Yeah. yeah. See, I mean, Stevie wrote some stuff. Christine uh, wrote some stuff cause when they finally made her a member of the group. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like the, but bringing Stevie and Lindsay in, they, yeah. they, you know, they just went up from there. Another mm-hmm. instance, um, I guess for a, like a, an interesting reason why um, there was a lineup change, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Mm. Uh, Smokey Robinson became uh, the head of uh, the president of Motown or yeah, something like so, that. Yeah. To where they, uh, out of that, they they had a final show and introduced um, Billy Griffin as the <laughs> new lead singer. Um, and they made a couple albums like, and this was kind of when Motown wasn't sure what they were trying to do. There was really, I felt like there was no real direction in the seventies yeah. as far as like, okay, we're going to go with this disco or we're going to try to, you know, do some different things with this R and B, you know, can't really use the funk <clears throat> brothers anymore. Cause it's an outdated sound at the time. Yeah. Um, but they bring in Billy Griffin, who apparently was the last person to audition for the lead singer <laughs> part. Uh, and then they find out he sounds exactly like Smokey Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> so this was the, a sound alike thing that worked. Um, but really, they only had a, a couple of major hits. Yeah. Uh, Love Machine was a smash hit around the world. Um, for any, uh, Was that in... Um heavyweights yes okay <laughs> that's how to think of i was like yeah that wasn't heavyweight uh i thought it was um who did i think did love machine for the longest time i thought it was like peaches and herb or something <laughs> <laughs> oh that was such a good song oh man um now that's all i'm thinking of is uh what was the guy's name um i cannot think of his name the guy who came out initially and started dancing and oh, then the yeah, other, then yeah, the bigger yeah. dude came out there and danced with uh, them. I can't remember their names in the movie. But then the other camp counselor with the, like the really short shorts that was doing that one dance. <laughs> That's a classic. Not to get off topic. Check out Heavyweights if you haven't seen it. It's it is I truly think it's a classic. On Netflix still. I think it is too. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. I guess probably one of the most uh, famous. Uh, another one of the most famous lineup changes is we've talked about. We talked about this mini series as well with the Temptations. Yeah, another instance where you have a lead singer who is good looking, charismatic, but he's too much. He's destructive. He <laughs> like he's destructive uh, on and off stage, mm-hmm. uh, physically and psychologically. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm David Ruffin, and these are the, the temptations. temptations. Like, I would have been ready to fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wish Fall Out Boy could have kept that title of their song. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. But um no, yeah, he was he was 
I mean, David Ruffin has one of my favorite voices of of the Motown era. It's a really good, like it's a mix of like it's like a smoky gospel esque voice. Yeah. Um, and it's just, but like he just when you watch the movie, and of course you know his estate says it's overblown, and you know he he wasn't really like that. But even if half of it was true, <laughs> like I mean, come on, yeah, even if just half of it was true, like that's still like whoa, pump the brakes. Like then why why they kick him out of the group? Then? Yeah, why they kick him out? That and that 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 scene where they were just looking at him, like they stood there resolute, <laughs> just looking at him as he's like, you can't do this to me. They just you can't do me like this. They just stood there like, didn't even move. Like, they were like statues. It was so weird. <laughs> I wonder, like, what part of that was true as far as, like, did they have the vote while they're, while Paul is in the hospital? Mm-hmm. Did they? <laughs> Wait, no, no. It wasn't Paul in the hospital. It was, um, that was after. They were at, they were, I, know, I think they were at a hotel. I thought they were at, um, at Motown, weren't they? Because they were standing in the studio. I think they were, they, no, they were on. They were on tour. Okay. Or it was after the Copa show when oh. he said, "I'm David Ruffin." And these, and these are the temptations. Yeah. Um, I want to know: Did he yeah. really do that? <laughs> I feel like he really did that. Like, did he really like you? Just a group in search of a David Ruffin. <laughs> I feel like those things happen. Like it's not it, like the uh, the. I think the scenes that his estate or his family really had a problem with was when he died. Mm-hmm. Like they made it seem like, like in the mini series, he was just thrown out of a limousine and he just in front of a hospital just dropped off right there. Mm-hmm. But they said, that's not, that's not what happened. Mm. He wasn't like in the morgue for a week before someone found him. It wasn't like that. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, but that the thing is, it, you, like you said, he has, he has the charisma, he has the personality, he has the great voice, he's good looking. They bring in Dennis Edwards. Mm-hmm. He is good looking. He does have a powerful voice, but not, but like almost no boring. personality. He's boring. <laughs> he's boring. I mean, I love <laughs> Like, I think he was brought in, like, okay, he has this big, powerful voice, and Otis thinks he can keep him in line. So <laughs> that's what put him in the group. Basically, I think he eventually, um, he he eventually had a personality. Mm-hmm. Like he was able to show it once he was outside of the group. Don't look any further. Uh, making <laughs> one of the worst music video. Well, my friend said this is the worst music video I've ever. There's a seen. music video for it. Yeah, oh, I'll check it out after. With Cia Garrett. Okay, I'm gonna check it out after this. <laughs> it's just them in front of a green screen. <laughs> that sounds tacky. Let me Google a picture of this. I see a screenshot. Um, but I guess the, the weird thing now is that the Temptations have gone through so many lineup changes, and somehow, even today, as we are recording, Otis is still there. <laughs> Was the secret not to sing any lead? <laughs> don't don't be the lead singer at all. That's how he'll make it. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, I see what you mean. It looks really bad. <laughs> he looks he looks like he's doing an imitation of Billy Ocean. <laughs> this was before Billy Ocean though. <laughs> so Billy Ocean was doing an impression of Hold on, what year did this come out? I thought this was I think uh, it was like 82, 83. Let's see here. 84. Okay. What year did Cabri and Queen come out? That might have been 84 or 85. 
they were biting each other's style. 84, same year. They were biting each other's style. Their Billy Ocean goes in that tight, <laughs> tight uh, tuxedo. But you know, you know what the difference was? What? Billy Ocean had a budget for his videos. <laughs> <laughs> he got a budget. He's like, green screen. No, nah, bro, we shoot on site. We shoot on location. So there's one change out we haven't talked about yet, <clears throat> and this was one where the sound dramatically changed, and that's the Doobie Brothers. Oh yeah, that's actually one of my favorite changes. Um, not saying that I don't like Tom Johnston, but who doesn't like Michael McDonald? Like, like who I, doesn't like some Michael people McDonald? don't even know that name, Tom Johnston. Yeah, they know they know Michael McDonald. Mm-hmm. They might even think Kenny Loggins was in the group. <laughs> what you mean he wasn't <laughs> in the group? <laughs> No, I, 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 and this is just my my love of Michael McDonald, and um, I loved their Behind the Music. If you haven't seen that, watch that one. That's a good one. Although I don't know where you can find those now. I don't know. They should put them on Netflix. The depths of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, what what do you think of that one? That change, though. Well, um, what was a hit song with with Tom Johnston? Um, I, I mean, listen to the music. I believe. Okay. Let me see here. I'm trying to. Th- the discography, make sure he's song these. I know a few of them would sing at a time. Um, or a uh, long train running. Long train running. Was China Grove. Yeah, so Listen to the Music was actually written by Tom Johnston. Um, <laughs> I forgot about Jesus is Just All Right. Yeah, that's a good song. And then you got uh, What a Fool Believes. <sighs> song of the Year. What a Fool Believes. What a Fool <laughs> Believes. <laughs> what a Year, yes. Um, so yeah, like you let Long Train Run in China Grove, um, I think Running Down the Highway or Rocking Down the Highway, and then you get to, you know, you get to, um, why am I forgetting his name? You get to Michael McDonald. Always, it keeps you running, yeah, minute by minute, taking minute it to the streets, by minute by like, and it's like a completely different. You're like, oh man, when did the Doobie Brothers become a smooth jazz <laughs> group? Like you listen to minute by minute, like that song is absolutely beautiful. Like this is uh, this is listen to the music with Tom Johnston, and like before that, of course, they're just you know, roots rock Americana style band. You know, um, where where were they from? Let me see here. So they're from California. They don't sound like it though. They sound like they're from Mississippi almost. <laughs> But like, yeah, this is so, and this and this is good in its own right. Like, this is not a bad song at all. Um, but you get Michael McDonald, who, and I mean, this is not a stab at guitar players. I am a guitar player, but it's just something about writing on keyboard and piano. Like, you can just write. There's no limit to what you can write on a piano. Like, it's just different. I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the limitations of the instrument of guitar, but like on piano, like you can, yeah, like you can, you can write this on guitar. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. Yeah, oh, man. Of course, you know, the track he wrote with the Kenny Loggins. Um, no, you didn't like the other version of it. I kind of liked it, but yeah. But you get like the, you got the, 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 the piano in there there's some synth in there like it's just and I can only imagine like when they switched it up and got him in there and he brings a song like this what's this man <laughs> like what is what's this 
like I think like like you said it was more like like roots blues mm-hmm. and you bring him in it's pop Adult and contemporary it's, it's yeah it's it's R&B yeah and <laughs> it it gives them a uh, it was it's a drastic difference yeah. between the two and I just imagine they're like what is this and he's like our future like I can just <laughs> <laughs> like when they make the when they make the Doobie Brothers biopic. I don't know who, of course, is going to be Michael McDonald, but like, I don't know why I see him as this. Like, even though he's like seems like the nicest guy, I just I'm making him out to be like the Bobby Brown or the David Ruffin. They're like, what is this? This is our this is our ticket to the top, and then it's like coming he's, this fall. He's the, he's the David Ruffin that stays in the group. <laughs> coming this fall. He took them as far as they could go. And it's like, taking it to the street, taking it to it. I just see that happening. And it's like, directed by, I don't know why, don't ask me why, um, Clint Eastwood. (laughs) Clint Eastwood directs Doobie Doobie Brothers. Brothers. (laughs) Although I think they would probably name it like, for some, I think Listen to the Music is a good title, but that doesn't encompass their entire catalog so you can't name it that like if you name it like maybe it keeps you running then that doesn't minute by minute like there's a lot of they have really good song titles but i can't think of anything that like encompasses the whole group so i would just call it the doobie brothers honestly yeah um or a michael mcdonald biopic just michael just call it michael (laughs) Like, would another, like, lineup change that interested me, like, we talk about Smokey Robinson and the Miracles to where, like, at a concert, he announces he's leaving and mm-hmm. they introduce the lead, the new lead singer. They mm-hmm. did the same thing with the Supremes. <laughs> like, what is, what is, what is that? It's a Motown thing, babe. <laughs> and what, and how do the, how do the other people of the group feel to where they think they're going to get promoted to lead singer and they bring in somebody new and they're the lead singer? Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like how with the uh, with the Chicago Bears, they the defense sent a letter. This was in 1981, 82. Mm-hmm. They sent a letter to George Hallis. The defense did. They're like, we we don't know what you're going to do after this season, <laughs> but we really need to keep Buddy Ryan as our defensive coordinator. <laughs> so Hallis was cool with that. <laughs> And with Buddy Ryan's like, okay, I get to keep my job. You're firing everyone else. Maybe I'm going to be the head coach now. Oh, nope. nope. They bring in Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka. The Mike Ditka who has not seen any disc- discrimination in a hundred years. No but impression last that's another, years. that's another story. <laughs> but yes, that Mike Ditka. <laughs> um, so, uh, any other lineup changes that kind of stuck out to you? Well, the last one, of course, that I that I, I will speak of, and of course, I can't have a I can't end the podcast without talking about this. The Destiny's Child lineup change. <laughs> they found out from a music video, like seeing the music video on TV, and just kind of being like, "We did we miss a shoot? <laughs> like, did we miss a shoot? Like, what happened? Yeah." That that's a that was a and of course I mean they're you know at the time one of the you know the biggest pop groups, um, led by you know and she will and I don't I don't I don't know what happened behind the scenes, I don't know if it really was all Matthew Knowles, but 
maybe she's the megalomaniac that I am depicting Michael McDonald, who is so friendly <laughs> to be, you know, it's like, you know, during the, during the shooting of the say my name video, um, I wonder if she, they're like, you know, what happened to the other two? They went too far. They crossed the line. And like, she's like, so y'all better get in line or y'all be like them. And they're like, okay. Sure. And they just, you know, they did what she said, but like, I don't, that's just, I guess Kelly was the only one who was just like, don't worry about them girl. You know, they crazy. And that's how she got <laughs> she to stay. She was a good cop. She yeah. was a good cop to Beyonce's bad cop. So <laughs> it was that just, but yeah, that lineup change right there just, it, it screams like I am Beyonce. I am going to be the star of the group. Don't get like, get out of my way. Like, that's why I always felt like she was destined to be whether or not she was the most talented person, which she did end up being the most talented person in the group, but whether or not she was the most talented, she could have been Latavia. But if she had Matthew Knowles as her father, she, it was going to be Latavia and Destiny's child. <laughs> it was always going to be that if Latavia, if it was Latavia Knowles, but it just happened to be Beyonce Knowles. And so, um, you know, then the next thing, you know, we have, you know, you know, Beyonce, you know, solo records and who would have known what would have happened if that lineup change didn't happen? You know, would there have been so much infighting that maybe the group ceases to exist? If Matthew Knowles isn't there to guide that career and make that change, who knows if well, we I had think, Beyonce. Wasn't it a contractual thing? I don't know. Let's look that up. I think that was kind of the reason why, um, or there was an issue with, uh, Latoya and, uh, I can't remember the other girl's name from the original lineup who um, they wanted their own managers. It was something like that. It was, it was something contractual to so, where uh, see here. they Mar- could get kicked out of the band mm-hmm. with no notice and be replaced. Um, I think it was, it was something contractual with Matthew Knowles as their manager. Yeah. So yeah, it says Robertson and Luckett, um, it's Latoya Luckett and I forget what the other girl's name was, whatever Roberson um, filed a lawsuit against Matthew Knowles and their former bandmates for breach of con- of partnership and fiduciary duties. Following the suit, uh, both sides were disparaging towards each other in the media, weren't they? Uh, five months after joining, Franklin left the group. The remaining members claimed that it was due to missed promotional uh, appearances and concerts. According to Williams, Franklin could not handle the stress. Uh, Franklin, however, disclosed that she left because of the negativity surrounding the strife and her inability to assert any control in the decision making. I'm assuming because Matthew Knowles said it's Beyonce's way or the highway or it's his way or, or the his highway. way or the highway. Her departure was seen as less controversial. Williams, on the other hand, disclosed that her inclusion in the group resulted in her battling insecurity. I was comparing myself to the other members and the pressure was on me. I couldn't imagine being in that group. Like you were basically there just to prop up Beyonce, it seems. Yeah, and and Kelly would believe that Michelle was there to prop her up too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess just yeah. But it looks like so. In nineteen in December nineteen ninety nine, Luckett and Robinson attempted to split with their manager, claiming that he kept a disproportionate share of the group's points, profits, and unfairly favored Knowles and Roland. Uh, while they never intended to leave the group, when the video "Say My Name" surfaced in February 2000, and they found themselves, um, they found that the two new members were joining Knowles and Roland. Prior to the video premiere, Knowles announced on TRL that the original members Luckin and Robertson had left the group. They were replaced by Michelle Williams, a former backup singer to Monica. Did not know that. And Farrah Fra- uh, Franklin, an inspiring aspiring singer actress. So, 
Yeah, so they tried to. So that's what happened. They tried to leave, and he was like, Mm-mm. "Well, they they thought about leaving." Yeah, he was like, "Oh, you thinking about leaving? You gone? <laughs> uh, oh, you you dare question Beyonce? <laughs> yeah." So, but yeah, that that one stands out to me just because uh, I, there was. I feel like there was no reason for it, but then I have to wonder like. What would have happened if Matthew Knowles wasn't there to guide that career to make sure that Beyonce was always pushed to the front, always pushed to the front? We would have never gotten the Beyonce that we have now. Yeah, um, that's definitely one of the uh, um, interesting lineup changes, uh, I guess. And that has to do, you know, it, it was a contractual thing. And, you know, when uh, I guess one thing that we didn't talk about enough is like the power dynamic. Mm hmm. Like someone has the power to make the decisions like an Axl Rose. He had the power to kick everyone else out of the group. I think <laughs> that's know? more so. They just like, we, or you can't did they not want to deal with him? <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was, yeah. So it was kind of like that. Um, and, uh, you know, so there, you know, a few different reasons why lineups change. Um, and then you get a different sound altogether. Uh, a la Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to Genesis with Peter Gabriel. If, if you, you can. can, if you can stay awake for it, um, uh, check out, uh, Commodore's after Lionel Richie. Um, or, um, there was one more. Oh, uh, rage against the machine. Uh, and then Audio Slave. <laughs> yeah, which is basically Rage Against Machine. Yeah, with Chris Cornell. Zach De La Roca. <laughs> um, Did you ever hear his verse on um, Run the Jewels? No. It's really good. He's actually a pretty good one. rapper. Yeah. All right, so, uh, yeah, that'll do it for our discussion about band members being replaced. You've been replaced. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um... You know what you should get? We should find a way to make that you've got mail. Like you've been replaced. <laughs> um so this is uh this artist their second appearance on the list. And uh it's uh Bosco from her EP simply called B. Um funny she said genesis without phil collins shake my head (laughs) did they try to move on without phil like try to do genesis without him i don't know i don't think they did i think that would be mike and the mechanics wouldn't it i feel like kind of yeah that would be mike and the mechanics with um paul 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 carrick yeah he can sing paul carrick is like he's one of those unsung heroes of like that era Mm mm-hmm he was in three different bands <laughs> and they had hits and he was the lead singer of them. Um, so uh, with my earworm of the week, uh, it's by Bosco featuring St. Beauty, the song called Castles. Uh, the first thing that sticks out to me is the piano riff at the beginning. I'm wonder, uh, I don't know if it was sampled from Final Fantasy or not, but that's what it kind of sounded like to me. And... Um, as I mentioned before, Bosco attended SCAD. Okay. okay. Um, I think there's some people on my face. We have some Facebook friends in common, I think. 
Use Bosco? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, we will uh, play that. This song is called Castles. So, it's Bosco featuring Saint Beauty. This is called Castles. And we will be right back. Bosco featuring Saint Beauty. So she sounds like the European Beyonce, is she? She's not European. <laughs> <laughs> She's from Savannah, I think. <laughs> um, so uh, that is from her EP, simply called B. Uh, or you can find the single on Spotify. Or you can find the song on our playlist by BTTYHT Earworms on Spotify right now. Sponsor us. And sponsor us. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen that. You, yeah. you, okay. Hashtag sponsor us. <laughs> All right. So that'll bring us to the the end of our program. But if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can watch the replay of this. Or you can uh, find our podcast in a couple of other ways. Ben, why don't you tell them about it? Why don't you get move your feet, sir, over to... Um... <laughs> No, you can you can find us at by the time you hear this dot com. It's our blog style website. Please uh, go on there, check out an episode or two, or three or four or five or six or seven. Um, you know, check out some of the cool or articles. 60. Yeah, two sixty one. I was like, by this point, now nah, yeah, it'll still be sixty one. I was like, yeah, they, depending on when you hear this, sixty one. If you wait, sixty two. You know, just depends. Yeah. Depends. I'm even sixty three. <laughs> um, but yeah, go on there, check it out. Um, feel free to comment. You know, let us know what you think about the topics. Weigh in on the topics. You know, what's your favorite band change, group change, lineup, or whatever. Um, you know, feel free to comment. 
Um, you can also find us on Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, both the website. <clears throat> you want to get your pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, both the website and the Facebook page are spelled with uh, the word you, Y-O-U. Um, if you want to find us on the more sleek, stylish, and we should start a Snapchat. That might be cool. You run the Snapchat. I might, yeah, I might see if I can do that. Get some filters. Um, you can find us on Instagram at uh, by the time you hear this, spelled with the letter U, because we're upstanding. Yes, and we get our pizza to Data Green's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes, Google Play music um go to the music one so it's the orange the orange triangle people orange triangle um you can also find us on satchel podcast player cast box auto radio tune in radio um overcast radio and i believe and um podomatic because that's yeah yeah that ho- they're the host mm-hmm. um but yeah so lots of ways to find us and then of course you know um if you're into that type of thing, you can watch us on Facebook live. The <laughs> yeah, you can watch the reruns. Uh, that's what I'm going to start calling. Them. <laughs> <laughs> now let us know, you know, in the comments here or, or, or any of our social media, if Facebook live is the best Avenue for you to watch us. Um, there could be some other spots such mm-hmm. as YouTube, Vimeo. Um, Does Vimeo have a live function? Yes. Okay. Yes, they do. Vimeo. You can go live on Vimeo now. Okay. Um, So, uh, whichever one works, you know, we'll we'll take a vote. We'll 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 stick with Facebook for the time being. These times we live in. (laughs) These times we live in. Go live. All right. So uh, we're going to end the program. yeah, Ben. Thank you for this. This this was. Oh yeah. I mean, might as well do it. Like this is, this is this is, like it's going to be their only song on the list. Yeah. But if you think about like the making of the song and then the making of the video, mm-hmm. uh, of course we'll end it with uh, "Say My Name" by Destiny's Child. For all you Beyonce fans out there. Yeah. Bring it on, Beehive. <laughs> um, from know. their album, the writings <laughs> on the wall. They don't know where I live, do they? They dangerous, man. They scary. <laughs> I don't know. They'll just stalk your Twitter. Okay. <laughs> I don't use it anyway, so good. Stalk it. <laughs> All right, so we'll end it with Say My Name by Destiny's Child. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Dog child, nah, nah. Say my name, say my name. No one is around you. Say, baby, I love you. You ain't running game. Say my name, say my name. You acting kind of shady. Ain't calling me baby. Why the sudden change? Say my name, say my name. If no one is around you, say, baby, I love you. If you ain't running game. Say my name, say my name. You acting kind of shady. Ain't calling me baby. Better say my name.